Live. Live on. Live on set. And welcome to another episode of Live on Set. Live on Set, the weekly pop culture podcast where I'm talking film, music, sports, television with my friends, family, and people I meet along the way. Joining me on set today, making his second appearance on the podcast, my good friend, Henry Molsky. Henry, welcome back. Good to be here. I can no longer say longtime listener, first time caller, longtime listener, second time caller. There you go. <laughs> that, isn't that beautiful? That Happy is to great. Be here. No, thank you so much for taking the time to talk again and joining me on set for round two. I know that the first time that we did speak on the podcast, I talked about how we had a radio show together, but it's a little crazy because as we talked catching up, we're zooming so I can see you, which is great, but just catching up that this week last year, tomorrow, I would have gotten on a plane to oh, fly boy. to Cincinnati for what would have been my 10th visit, but everything <laughs> shut down. World stopped. We had kind of started to say, hey, unsure what things are doing right now. Let's put a, let's put a pin in this and look at it again in a few months or a few weeks or whatever we were thinking was reasonable back then. And it was a bummer at the time because we were like, man, should we have done that? And then two days later, it was like everything in the city had closed. Right. And it was like, we would have, if you guys had been here, we would have been couch surfing with literally no restaurants open no bars, no, no, nothing. I mean, that was like when it was the, the hardest of like everything being shut down. That was, that was the, the pure abyss right there. Well, we didn't know anything. We didn't know what up, up was down, left was right. Think about how bad all the, the takeout services were and all that right. junk before everyone figured something out. I right. mean, it would have been, it would have been microwave pizzas, baby. Oven, it's so oven true. Pizzas. It's so true. I'm still doing that though. I know that I was so excited to go and I was like, I sent this text out. I was like, Hey, this is becoming a real deal. I'm not sure how you guys feel, but I'm going to call Allegiant and try to get a credit back and we'll push it till the summer, maybe do Bunbury or something like we did a previous time. Cause that would have been June because what happened at work the day after I was supposed to go, they had canceled all in-person meetings and traveling through May 1st. And I was like, okay, we'll be home for four or five weeks. Um, and then we'll be back and then whatever. And then by the summer, I'll come back for, for trip number 10 and a year later. And I have not gotten on a plane. I know people that have flown before, uh, during this time, but I know that I can confidently say, hopefully that I'll probably see you sooner rather than later yeah. and not have to zoom again. But no, it's, it's crazy how this whole last year has continued to happen. I know that when we talked, we talked about 21 Pilots. We talked about film, cinema. But I do, I do want to touch on one thing real quick, and then we're going to get into our main segment today, which will be about television. But this time, what would have been seven years ago, would have been our radio practicum when we were doing the radio show. And during this time, um, 
kind of golf is picking up a little bit. So we did a show about the masters cause you were able to go for a little bit of one day before the, the weather kicked in two hours. <laughs> right. I got to go the following year, the year Spieth had won and our friend Connor has been on the show. We talked about it as well. Uh, but we would have really gotten into a lot of our majority of our content for that radio show was the Academy Awards. So I know those nominations came out yesterday. We texted a little bit about it, but it, it's crazy to think how many movies have come out that since our radio show that we still talk about all the time, but also I never thought when we were doing that radio show, we, we would always hear there's going to be a time when movie theaters don't exist. It's going to be a time where movie theaters don't exist. And we, I mean, I know I am, I'm not sure. I think you might be on the same page, but like movies to me are meant to be seen in a theater. And now all of these movies that were nominated when Nick Jonas and his wife, Priyanka Chopra Jonas announced those nominees this past Monday, a majority of the people, if not all of them did not see any of those movies in theaters. Right. Yeah. And I, I know I haven't seen anything in the theater since last year. Yeah. I saw Tenet with Connor when he was down here visiting, but before that in February, I saw the invisible man. And it's just crazy how all this is happening, but it'll be interesting to see because this COVID has changed everything, obviously. But I do know that the movies that will win will be 100% deserving. There's a lot of performances. I know we've talked about Daniel Kaluuya, who congrats because today we're talking. He, he's going to host SNL in early April. Hey, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out with the Oscars in April being a little bit later than they normally are. But also... There'll be a lot Very of first-time winners yes. as well. Very different, yes. Very different. Haven't seen a... Yes. I mean, to go on your point about, I am so excited about seeing a movie in a theater again. I've always, not to the same level that you have, love, but love seeing movies in a theater. The experience is, is paramount with, you know, cinema and seeing, seeing film. That is a, a staple of the industry. And I think... To a certain degree, it's what has happened over the past year has accelerated some channels of life after cinema and life after the theater. However, I do think it's built a pretty good use case for things that are meant to be seen in the theater. So at the, at the same time, it's doom, maybe it's salvation, <laughs> is this is going to undo a lot of things, the movie theater experience that we've come to know i think it, it maybe accelerated i i wouldn't get too i, I don't think that people are going to be building that people aren't going to be building a ton of new cinemas in the next decade right. but i don't think they're they're going to just start shutting doors right and left in our face however my point is there are movies that over the past year more people than ever have realized wow i have to see that in the theater this is not compare i can't wait to share that social experience with myself or anyone else that's in the theater right no you're so right and i think over this past year we were able to watch some some things that if COVID happened or not would not have been in a theater and what i'm what i mean by that is you being a, a massive fan of disney us talking about disney all the time what we were able to go through for the past nine weeks, have that week off, and then we get a new show coming up Friday. So with you, this show will come out on the 22nd of March. So 
we would have been a couple of days after the first the debut episode of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We did have nine great weeks of television or TV television, but streaming on Disney yeah. Plus with WandaVision. So that is it's some interesting juxtaposition between the two. Right. Because especially if you listen to if you listen about the way that Kevin Feige talks about these two WandaVision, nine episodes. One of the very first things that Kevin Feige and Disney had announced that this was coming to Disney Plus. We've known this from very early on, alongside Falcon the Winter Soldier. But if you listen to the way they talk about these, Kevin Feige wanted to push the boundaries in the plot. Let's we'll say a few things about WandaVision just because we loved it. Right. Wanted to push the boundaries of television with WandaVision. He wanted to deconstruct what it meant to watch a TV show, and he did over decades of you know, different constructs and really breaking apart the idea of like how you watch serialized content. On the other hand, he'll say, Hey, look, we've got this thing called Falcon of the winter soldier that's coming out. It's kind of like a mini series type of movie that we've optimized for this platform. And that's the stuff that probably makes movie theaters more nervous where they're like, shoot, this, this could have been, and this is before COVID that they announced this. Yeah. Like this is one of those ones that could have been a movie but Disney saw the piece of the pie that they could take and had to bring content to the platform and it'll be a big test. So I'm excited for it, but to like, I'm sure you and I would both, that's a like, this is a series that, you know, maybe shrunken down. We'll see what, we'll see how it plays out. But right. that's something I may have wanted to see in a theater versus the WandaVision, which was like, that was meant to be watched at home yes. on a Friday night where you could start texting big groups of people about like what the hell just happened. Right. No, it's so true. And I know that w when the Winter Soldier and, and the Falcon were introduced to us in the previous phases of Marvel, and then also the introduction that we got with Wanda in, I believe it was the post-credits of Captain America Winter Soldier, really so much has changed. They've all been in Avengers films and, and Civil War and the fans of Marvel, either if you follow the comic books or not, but you saw the movies, the main characters in Falcon and Winter Soldier and the main characters in WandaVision with, with Vision and Wanda, we would have seen all of those characters before. Yeah, that's but a great point. I completely agree with you in the sense that the movie theater fans will watch Falcon and Winter Soldier very closely because yeah. that is going to be the big test because those are the two that I feel like, and it's not like Wanda couldn't carry a movie. Cause I feel like after seeing her in oh, this and now, it being right? all her, Oh, she absolutely can now. And it'll be interesting to see how they team up in this next phase of Marvel, but I'll be watching Falcon winter soldier very closely because that I think is what's going to kind of make people kind of take a step things back because these yeah. Marvel movies and these projects are the ones that we would rush to go to a theater. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Disney, Kevin Feige, uh, I did mention executive producer of Marvel right. Studios, Disney, um, also play, playing a role in the next Star Wars, a, a Star Wars trilogy that he's helping craft. Interesting. But um, he is still very adamant about the role that his cinematic theater experience movies play as a part of this universe, which thank goodness he sees the value in that. Right. And we'll see what happens. We'll see yeah. what happens. WandaVision, hell of a show, though. Right. Big, oh. big, big fan. Absolutely. And for those who have watched the show, you'll have some ideas on how things might play out in the future, but I really did enjoy it. I liked that 
I mean, there are people who will find the show now after it's over or find it a long time and that they'll be able to watch it all in a day if they want to. But I really liked how I could do it once a week. I was getting really excited Wednesday, Thursday, and I could watch it on Friday. Yep. And I've kind of, what that has really gotten me is I don't, I was talking to my friend, my friend, Matt, who's been on the show a couple of times in the first season of live on set. I don't think I ever want to binge a show again. No. Yeah. And what I'm doing now is I'll do just one episode of Peaky Blinders a week, just one. Ooh. And I'm doing the same thing with Watchmen. Now I don't want to watch more than one show or more than two shows at once. If I need a palate cleanser, pun intended, I'll throw on an episode of Master Chef. But I really like how we're getting this content on Disney Plus, where it's one episode a week, and I'm Create not gonna yeah. binge, binge, binge. Right. Creates a lot of buzz that way. There's a lot, man. I, we could we could talk about One Division for hours. I will try to focus my lens on one thing that I know that you we kind of just hinted at it. That I I gotta I, probably the standout thing about One Division. All things considered, crazy time, crazy scape that this lands in, one of the first Marvel series on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. But the thing that really surprised me, that really made this show great, let's call it what it is, Elizabeth Olsen is a mega star. She's yes. a superstar in the making. Going back, Aaron and I have watched a few of the older Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Older, not that old, but like Age of Ultron and stuff where she first showed up in Civil War. Mm-hmm. She's fine. She's serviceable. She does a an okay job performing in her role it's a goofy role to play this you know sokovian accent uh which is like you know making hand gestures is like very challenging and just kind of having to own that role in a space with all these very very established characters is tough work so it it was cut out for she stepped into this role on this show and across generations of different tv owned different personalities and was able to tell this really unique story about a certain character just an amazing performance i hope she gets nominated we love talking awards Austin. yeah what do you i i mean she really really just blew it away also she is just stunningly beautiful right absolutely <laughs> no classic, she's great yes she is but i mean really just an excellent excellent actress and right. just really showed off like what's possible on tv right. and i know to bring Captain Marvel into it for a second, because there's some storylines where they'll be incorporated with people that would have been in this show going forward. Brie Larson, Academy Award winner, fantastic actress, beautiful woman. I feel like, obviously, for the fans of the Marvel franchise, we needed Captain Marvel to come into the story for things to kind of work out and for for Endgame to to unfold. Wanda has to be the number one female if not a top three superhero yeah. that is currently going to be in future projects. Yeah. Like Wanda For sure. is a so important to what the future is. Too. You know, you made me think about that. A very, I don't want to paint Captain Marvel as a downgrade of a superhero. I think they've got a lot of room to make her grow and to shine. Right. There's a level of complexity to Wanda Maximoff that is really powerful. There's yes. a broken past, there's tragedy, there's hurt, there's challenge and growth and struggle and all these other things that she's able to tell through. And frankly, humor. She brings humor to the role. Right. Through all this stuff. I, I, I mean, Captain Marvel is kind of quippy, kind of in the same way that like Captain America is kind of quippy. Like, right. He's 
sure, Chris Evans is funny in the movie. I think he's way funnier in like Knives Out, for example. Right. And just playing dry humor like that. But the quippy stuff doesn't necessarily make me laugh out loud. Elizabeth Olsen's like talent is funny. Like the way that she's able to perform that. So hats off. Awards, hopefully nominations headed that way. Yes. Huge fan. I hope so. And the good thing about this show is, like you said, it definitely meant for like TV streaming, but also how each episode was themed. The early episodes are a little bit more than I'd say 60, 70% of the episodes were themed based on television shows from the past. So, mm-hmm. and all of those shows were comedies. So it could be things in the past like Bewitched and I Love Lucy or all the way to shows that just went off the air that were on for a decade plus like Modern Family. And what I really like is it will definitely be nominated for some sort of awards when it, when we get to whether it's the Globes or the Emmys next year. But what I will definitely say is, or I guess my question to ask you is, will it be comedy? Because hmm. hmm. when it gets real, question. it gets real. That's a good question. I don't think they, I don't think it'll go comedy. I think it's got to go drama. Drama. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it'll be something like. I love saying this. It's never been done before. Yeah. It literally has never been done before. So we'll yeah, see how it goes. I am very excited. But to to kind of keep pushing forward here and talk about something that I know we're both very excited about, I want to mention one of my favorite lines from what possibly our most favorite show to, to discuss and to lead into this segment. Um, and that being The Office. But we are going to talk about the show Ted Lasso. So I'll do that quote from the office. And then I want to talk about Ted Lasso because I credit it to you getting in my ear. You were telling me for months and months and months to watch the show. Our friend Connor was saying the same thing, but that quote from the office is it takes a big man to admit his mistakes. <laughs> and today I am that big man. Fantastic. And, and for, <laughs> yeah. And for those who have not seen Ted Lasso, um, it's on streaming on Apple TV. It stars Jason Sudeikis fans of comedy would have heard of the the name Ted Lasso uh, a little more than five years now. There was an internet short, Ted Lasso and, and Coach Beard, who was also in the show about uh, Jason Sudeikis playing the role of Ted Lasso uh, for, about, about the, the football club, Tottenham Hotspur. But as time went on, one of the first shows uh, that Apple TV rolled out was Ted Lasso. And I can honestly say not only is it the feel-good TV show that we need right now, it is one of the, if not the best show that was so fitting for the time that it came out in. Mm. And I'm not saying I'm going to re-watch it, rewatch it right away, but it is easily my favorite comedy that I've seen probably since like The Office and Parks. Yeah, it's it's really, it is a special piece of, television it really is i love that you said like hey to be nostalgic is like seeing old movie trailers or like posters where it's the it's the blank something of the decade or like the feel-good comedy of the summer or the feel-good comedy of the the winter or the the christmas feel-good love story that you've always wanted right this feels like i mean i I don't think i'd be overstepping to say it is easily you could drop in it is the feel-good series of the pandemic yes easy has that one it is honestly like if you think about like think broadly 
across all the comedies you've watched in the past, let's say 10 years, it has got to be right up there with, if you were to say it is the feel-good comedy of the decade, I don't think a lot of people would fight you on that if they watched the show. You, they'd go, you know what? Yeah. I mean, Austin, we love The Office. We love 30 Rock. We love like these staples of the past, you know, what, what showed up in the past 10 years. I don't necessarily call them feel good the same right. way that it just butters you up and like right. <laughs> tells a, a warm story. Right. No, you're so true. And it really kind of put me, I took a step back because you had asked me a week ago, you were like, hey, off top, don't look anything up. Could you tell me the 2005, 2006 SNL cast? And I said, let me think for a second. And I rattle off some names. And I think I got almost all of them, if not all of them. Pretty much but that, all of them. Yeah. yeah. And that made me think for a second, okay, look at all the people that were on the cast at that time. Then look at all of the people who were either the leads or they were supporting in comedies that are streaming on various platforms to this day are as popular as they were when they were on television. Nailed it. Out of the park. People, this, if people are listening haven't heard this, you'll, you'll fill in the blanks with me on this. But we got the well, 30 Rock, already mentioned it. Right. DFA, right off the bat. Already mentioned it. Parks and Rec, Amy Poehler. Right. Right. right off. Um, what else came, what came out? Uh, Portlandia, probably yep. towards the front end of this. So you had Fred Armisen. Right. Um, we got Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Andy Samberg. Yeah. We got... Um, Barry. Yeah, we got Bill Barry Hader. with Bill Hader. And then we also have with Will Forte, The Last Man on Earth, which was on Fox for about four, I think four or so seasons. So it's crazy, all of those shows that come out. But then obviously... Yeah. Jason Sudeikis, who had a little bit of a role on 30 Rock, which was great. He was still on SNL at the time. But, and I think he had a role on Last Man on Earth as well. Not only, because this, we'll talk about Ted Lasso here for, for a little bit. The first season of Ted Lasso, which as of right now is all we have before the season had really ended, they said it, they were going to renew it for a second and third season, which is great. Yeah. So we can continue to remain dedicated fans of AFC Richmond. But the first season of Ted Lasso is probably as good or if not better than a lot of the first seasons of those other shows that we mentioned. That's a great point. I didn't think about that. For, that is a strong first season for a television show. So excluding Portlandia for a second, even though what I've seen, I really have enjoyed. Parks and Rec, the first season, same thing like the first season of The Office is like six or eight episodes. Yeah, pretty tight. But 30 Rock was 20 plus. Brooklyn Nine-Nine was 20 plus. Ted Lasso was what, 10 yeah, I think 10. And I guess you can throw the origin story part of it. But like that cast, with the exception of Sudeikis and, and like one other person, like Juno Temple, who dates Jamie Tart on the show, she's great. Everyone else was relatively unknown. And that really kind of just bought into why I enjoyed the show so much. Yeah. But it all kind of goes, those SNL roots, they go back. There's so many people you recognize from certain things. But for me, Ted Lasso is a show that it's, it is my favorite show right now. And I don't, sure. I don't even think yeah. it's, I don't even think it's a question. Gosh, it was the best feeling to watch that for the first time. That's one of those ones where you see people talking about it or you hear people talking about it and they go, man, I, could, I wish I could watch that for the first time again. But then even still, I've gone back into it over the past few weeks and watching these again, I kind of feel like I'm watching it for the first time again. It, I really like it. I think a couple things add to that. 
I think the, like to your point, you really get to identify and watch what these characters grow. And it's neat to see like, you know, kind of these unknowns carve out a place in your heart, so to speak. Right. And I, I don't want to undersell this because I think 30 Rock certainly kind of did a great job of this. I think, um, I think 30 Rock is probably the next best example. I, I don't need to go on is the production value is super high. And yes. I, I think there's something about that that makes for like something to be really rewatchable. Love The Office. Yes. I watched it a thousand times over and I probably have. The first season is low, low production quality. Yes. For sure. I mean, you're, they're scraping together pennies to get that thing put together. Right. A lot of things in their first season are, you can tell Apple pumped some cash into this thing. Yes. And it's, it looks gorgeous. And the, the talent that they were able to find together, the casting is just outstanding, makes it a beautiful thing to watch. Right. No, you, you, I could not have said it any better. And I know that that was right off the cuff for you. Like, we don't write anything down when we talk. And we talk so much on the phone that we're, this is flowing like kind of like how our conversations on the, flow, on, on the phone sound. Sure. But you are like an amazing writer. And like that is for someone that's written reviews before and has talked publicly about things that you write about and what you're passionate about that is so true and it's so perfect when you describe that and this is the first apple original tv show that i've watched i know the morning show is popular i know that jason momoa had a show as well and like shamalan's got some shows but they definitely have that look of apple definitely th put some cash down yeah, and and thinking about i mean obviously this was like the the mid 2000s like the, the first between 2000 2010 the office and parks were like spring season call-ups they had like six episodes and which they did not know if they were getting renewed or not obviously yeah. they became like generational shows and shows that we talk about all the time 30 rock was very successful i think 30 rock might be one of the most like decorated comedies in the history of television in regards to awards and hardware yeah. but what's great is and a lot of them have come from i think the only person that was on the snl cast either a writer or a cast member that was involved with the office was Mike Schur, who is cousin Moe's and he did, he's done a lot with parks and the good place and Brooklyn nine, nine. He yeah. wrote for SNL for a little bit. I think uh, Mindy Kaling was a guest writer for a little bit. I'm not sure if it was a full season, but definitely for a little bit, wow. but I really think that's it. I know like John Krasinski has hosted this year. Steve Carell's hosted a couple of times and rain Wilson hosted once it's, it's crazy how, so many roots it kind of goes back to snl and like that yeah. like comedic royalty like the best school you can really go to but bringing it back to ted lasso and, and jason sudeikis this is something that if you think about all those shows where the main characters from their shows that are tied to snl they always have something that they're kind of known for and the movies that jason sudeikis have been a part of <laughs> He's going to yeah. be known for Ted Lasso for a very long time. I, yeah, I don't know how he couldn't. He already, I mean, to a certain degree, kind of already had that a little bit just with how right. popular that one little sketch was. Right. So funny that it's going to end up being, like to your point now, he's, he's Ted Lasso. Right. He won, a, he won an Emmy, not an Emmy, he won a Globe for it. So right. I think it's going to be pretty attached to him for a long time. And I mean, given the role that he had in the show with the writing, so happy that, right. you know, like that's just like, it's not a lifetime achievement award or anything, but it is an achievement for him to pick up that award in particular as best actor, because it's kind of a, it's a mark that shows that, you know, 
he put a lot of effort into this sure. beyond just the acting role. So it is, it is a, an award that is received for a lot of things that went from him into that, into that series. Right. And another person that was not only that we see on screen, but was also heavily involved in behind the scenes, the writing process and being kind of like that one, two punch with Sudeikis was the actor who played coach beard. Like he co-created the show, wrote the show um, was in that original kind of like sketch as well uh, from a couple of years ago. He is hysterical and he really doesn't say a lot of words, but when he does speak, it really kind of dictates like it's quick until the, point. In the latter half of the season. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Nice to have that. It is definitely nice to have that, but you go into it with Ted Lasso being this ultimate positive guy. He is coming from the U S over going across the pond to the UK to coach this to be like the, the manager of this football club in the number one soccer league in the entire world and has zero soccer experience. Yeah, He goes in there with his assistant coach into a place that he does not know that when he shows up that essentially he's being hired as a joke and he is being, he has been brought over there, flown there to fail. Yeah. And what, what happens is he not only, there are some wins, there are some losses, but ultimately he defies expectations and wins the hearts of not only the organization, but the players that are on his team. It's a phrase that I've used with this show a couple times, and it kind of encapsulates. It's it's not only the way that I first referred to the show. I, I don't believe in the statement with the show now. I'll explain in a second. But definitely in the way that you just explained the season, the coach that had no right to be good was way better than he, he had no right to be a good soccer coach. Right. This show built off the scraps of an NBC commercial from seven years ago for a new streaming surface from Apple had no right <laughs> to be good. Right. I, I don't really believe that anymore now, but it is now. I, I don't say it. I don't really even say that anymore. I don't say it had no right to be good. I just say, watch it. Like go, you have to see this thing because it is something special. I don't know how much you've seen on social media, Austin. I, I'll say like definitely on Twitter. I see it every once in a while on Instagram and you can, and you've seen it because it took you a while to get into it. Right. It, I feel like almost I'm good for like once a week, almost now over the past several months, I will catch wind of someone on my, one of my feeds or my timeline say, Oh my God, why hadn't I watched Ted Lasso until now? And just beaming about it and talking about how they're just fully in and can't, and then they start to, you know, go out and try to sell it to their friends because it's on the strange streaming service that no one has. Right. And I just think for people who they might not be soccer fans, but if they watch the show, if you've been on a team, like a team sport team, there's so many similarities on that team of either. It could be people who don't fit in. It could be, there's a clear guy who you would want is the best player that you want to be your leader that knows he's good, but he's too cocky. Then you have someone that could be like the veteran who people rally behind and they listen to because they respect him and the journey that he's been on throughout, throughout like his career or his time playing that sport. And then there's a lot of youth to it as well. So you you're you're on this journey with this team for people that are on that team doing something for the first time in their life. As the first time we're watching it, we're watching something for the first time yeah. in our lives as well. And we're watching this team go through a season that is really unprecedented. But then also, you are earned like 
the, the feel goodness is us in the audience falling in love with the performance that Sadekis gives because yeah. we are attached to the positivity that he radiates from start to finish. Yeah. And I think, I, I think there's something about the show that does something that does really well that I, I've thought a lot about this. Is it, it doesn't, it's an overstated phrase, but it doesn't pull its punches. And what I mean by that is it is not afraid to hand you a loss. Right. It's not afraid to tell you this part about the world is shitty. It's not afraid to tell you something you did something wrong or you're not good at this or you weren't cut out for this or sometimes you just get dealt a bad hand. It presents the real world to its audience, which is really hard to do, especially on a TV show that's meant to make you feel good. And it hits you and brings you down in the dumps and over and but it paints these pictures of really authentic characters that help you feel like and sympathize with them and, and go through the challenges of life and every day. And I think that's why it's really something special because it, the, it doesn't crescendo to something like amazing at the, through the, through the series. It, right. you know, it's great moments. And there's like, you know, the, like the birth of a child or you, you get married or your friend gets engaged. And like, there's these moments in life that are, that are amazing, but you don't reach like a finale ever. And right. I think that's what the show does so well. It, it ebbs and flows really naturally and, and just makes you feel like you're watching something that exudes some positivity in like a really normal world. Right. No, that's so true. And I'm thinking back at it now and going to, and I had something that I said earlier about how Sadekis and then the role of Juno Temple and her name on the show is, wait for it, Keely. So, Independent woman? Independent woman. So with this show, there's so many unknowns. And my favorite character on the show, Higgins was close. My favorite character, I mean, Ted's amazing, but yeah, is Nathan. Like yeah, Nate. Nate, Nate is the guy in the shadows doing his job, is so passionate about it, but his voice is never heard. And when it, it just shows that regardless of what your role is within that, that organization, Ted had a relationship with everybody. And, yeah. and if they did not, if they were too shy to bring out the positivity and bring out their true self, Ted based Ted by just him being himself was able to bring to light all the positivity that those members of that organization had. And then were able to not only have them contribute, but capitalize off of that as well. But Nate's great. Nate, the great is great. Nate, the great, but, but that show is something that obviously when it was over, I was like, I don't want this to end. I want to watch more. And the good thing is we, our journey with AFC Richmond has not ended. Yeah. And I'm excited to really see um, what we know that without, I mean, this has been out for a while. So relegation, they move on. We'll we'll get a full season with them in season two. And and hopefully it will lead them back to the EPL and Ted Lasso can be carried off the field winning the English Premier League, which would be insane. But I would love that. Hey, I thought about this a lot. I don't really care what happens right i kind of am just excited to see them win or lose now right i think that's something that's so special sure i'll be pumped if they win the whole thing but if they don't if if i have to watch them lose a championship game i 
I, I will be glad that I went along for the ride. Right. So it's, it's that kind of special. There's not often that you, like you, you watch a TV show and you go like, you know what? I don't really care. Like in the finale, if like this or this happens, whereas this one, it's like, they run so well. I'm just there to watch. Right. No, that's so true. It could be something okay with a loss, but being able to look back at the journey and pulling all the positive things out of that and really coming yeah, together. Yeah. As a- Austin, you played volleyball in high school. You know, what it's all about. You wouldn't be like, you wouldn't be living your life only to win the championship. You'd right. Be like, yeah, of course I'm going to play the whole right. season. I don't care. Absolutely. If I the championship game. Absolutely. It'll suck, but that's life. And that's right. what the show does really well. That does so well. It, it could be what goes on from whistle to whistle and you see how life plays into it. If, if it's more than a game, it could be people putting in real ideas to provide solutions with the suggestion box. It could be going out for a drink with your friends. It could be singing karaoke in a bar to, to blow off some steam, going through some tough times, or it, it could be just as simple as bringing biscuits to people every morning, just checking in. There's so many little things that that show just based on the main character and the powerhouse that, that Sudeikis is, it just makes you want to watch the show because you're going to feel good watching it. Even when you might not be ever a part of a situation like that. There's not a lot of people that are a part of, of the sports side of things, but either they played sports growing up, they, they support people who have played sports. It's really not even about the sport, honestly. It's really kind of about how, it's good to watch good shows that showcase good people. Yeah. You know what the happiest animal on earth is, Austin? Goldfish. Goldfish. <laughs> will be the gosh darn goldfish. Right. God, that's so true. God, it's amazing. Love that writing. I love it. That, yeah. I mean, what a show. Yeah. I mean, I really, I really couldn't have thought it up any other way before I kind of, close things out here. This has been great as always. Is there anything you're looking forward to? Is it when it could be TV, music, sports, anything, what are you looking forward to? Um, and I'll close this out. What is it? March 16th. I, I feel like we're on the precipice of a very exciting summer. Hopefully I, I I'm exuding optimism into the world and I, I, I want that energy to be returned to me. And I feel like we could be doing a lot of seemingly normal things this summer austin one of those is getting to a movie theater there are a couple things that are coming right away that i want to look at to celebrate getting back into and it's i think black widow will be right at the front there but something that i've talked to you about that feels like the feel-good movie of the summer i will be in a theater to see lin-manuel miranda's in the heights looks like it has the opportunity to be like one of the best musical transfers to to film and maybe maybe ever a very very long time that's for certain right no you sent me those trailers i watched them big anthony ramos fan he has amazing solo music i know that he's yeah. going to blow up after after this but um i know that he filmed some movies during the pandemic as well that story and I didn't know a lot about it. So I read into it after I had watched uh, before I had watched the trailer to kind of have that kind of fresh in my mind. That cast is amazing. 
anything Lin-Manuel has, obviously Lin-Manuel kind of came into legendary theater career. We've seen him in some like motion pictures. He's been on some HBO shows. This is something that could be the best movie that we will see this summer. Yeah. And I know no better way to celebrate things getting back to normal. Right. And I know just from what I watched in that trailer, music and culture and heritage brings people together. And I know that that's what that movie does. And I I think that is what really, it's always good being shown something like that because that's when people realize that that's what we need more than anything. I love it. That's exactly right. I love it. So now looking forward to Into the Ice, looking forward to Space Jam 2, looking forward to Black Widow, and then all those movies that got pushed back. So James Bond, Dune, things like that. But no, thank you, Henry, for coming back for round two on Live On Set. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you very much. For those who enjoyed our conversation today and have listened to the episode so far, you're, you're listening to this episode for the first time. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for pressing play. That is going to do it for us today on Live On Set. Live On Set, the weekly pop culture podcast where I'm talking film, music, sports, television with my friends, family, and people I meet along the way. And out of dedication to the show we talked about today, Ted Lasso, see you later.